Welcome to Talking Book Publishing with Kathleen Kaiser, brought to you by Writers and Publishers Network. Hello, and welcome to Talking Book Publishing. I'm your host, Kathleen Kaiser, and today we have Bruce Carlin as our guest. He is the author of Undeterred, which is a fabulous story uh, about how a determined Vietnamese orphan carved out a place for himself in America. And I really like this story. I've read it. I really think it's a great book. And what I liked about it was how, first off, welcome, Bruce. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And what I liked about the book was uh, sort of the, the, the backstory actually of how you discovered this incredible story of a man that you had worked with for what, almost 10 years. Yes. And you found this incredible, I I like the line yet. It was like the story of a lifetime down the hall from your office. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah, You know? Yeah. So so tell us about, we're going to talk about the book, but tell us about how you about, Long, who is the character. This is a biography, but it's kind of a novelistic biography is the way Kirkus reviewed it. I like that line. Tell me, um, uh, tell me about how you discovered this story. Well, as, as you said, I, I worked with Long for almost 10 years and I, I hired him initially because he had such a calm demeanor, uh, was so very thoughtful about out everything, and it was crystal clear to me that he really, really cared about what he was doing and about the company, and and the fact that he saw it as an honor to to have a job to work with a company that he apparently respected. And throughout the years, uh, other employees told me, "Have you heard or asked me? Have you heard about Long's life?" and and I really hadn't, other than what they mentioned about him having a brother and being an orphan from uh, Vietnam. But uh, I never really got into too much of his personal story because I generally try to keep relationships business oriented uh, in my company. But after after we sold the company um, and uh, we stayed on with the acquiring company, we uh, got to chatting because we had more time on our hands. And mostly, most of the chat we did was about the stock market. Uh, Long is passionate about the stock market, investing, and companies. And uh, he can talk for hours on end about the stock market, its dynamics, about companies and how they're run. And uh, so we talked a lot about that, but interspersed with that, because I had heard stories about his personal life, I would ask him one or two personal questions about um, how he came here, how the soldiers literally grabbed him when everyone was running from the the tanks and the rockets. And uh, he ended up on a cargo plane to the US Um, I would ask him little snippets, but I would have to really kind of drag it out of him because he's he's really reluctant to talk about himself, uh, but excited to talk about the stock market. So as we as we chatted over over the months, um, it became clear that his story was amazing. Uh, 
his life, uh, his wife's life, his father-in-law's life, all of whom came from uh, came from Vietnam with different stories. And then one day, uh, as I was listening to the personal part of his life and not hearing about the stock market, uh, <laughs> I just blurted out, I want to write a book about you. Um, I've never written a book in my life, but this was so fascinating that I wanted to share it with as many people as I could share it with because I love his story. Yeah, I think it's really a fabulous story. Um, you know, immigrants have made this country. My family are all immigrants. I'm sure yours are. They yeah. all have their own little success stories. I have two great aunts who were very successful. You know, we all have something there. And, you know, the Vietnamese coming over in the 70s, that was a whole other, you know, that's the next wave of people, especially for Southern California. We had many, many arrive in Southern California. And, you know, we have every generation makes their own, um, their own, they sort of plant the flag and, and grow from there. But I think what Long did that was different in the story, and let's talk about that a little bit, is his determination, his, how he was undeterred, which I, I really like that in the title, is to uh, really never be poor again. Tell us about how, what, what led up to that. His life and, and his brother's life from the time they came over, Long was about age five. He, he doesn't really know his, his age. Um, he was assigned an age based on how he looked when he got to Camp Pendleton. Um, but from that point, uh, coming over here and spending about a year in Camp Pendleton, he and his brother were then sent to various foster homes throughout Southern California initially, and then later up in Northern California. And his, his foster home existence was, was difficult. They, there were stays from as little as two weeks up to uh, several years, but he and his brother were never treated as family as I at least would hope foster families would treat the people that they're caring for as family members, but what, what he experienced was more uh, an existence of he needed to be fed, um, he had chores to do, um, almost as if he was a servant in certain households. Um, and, and he absorbed it, he took it because he had to, he had no choice, he had no relatives. So they put up with it. And um, at one point in the story where he was severely mistreated, um, he ran away. And, and uh, after, after several weeks of being gone, or a week or several weeks of being gone, he felt the need to come back because his brother was still there. And, uh, and uh, he just decide, decided that's his life and he has, has to deal with it. Um, but then a light bulb went off later, later in the story after there was a, a tragedy. And he realized the only way out for him was to have his own money. Um, he could not be dependent on people anymore. So he at uh, age, age 15 um, set out to, to uh, 
get a job. He found a job as a janitor working at nights. Um, he also collected bottles and dumpster dived for bottles and cans to, to get money from that. And he set a goal for himself to have $5,000 accumulated by age um, 15. And, and he did it. He did it uh, by working as a janitor. Um, he was very, very uh, consistent in his work to the point where uh, his boss made him a supervisor and he, he made what then was a lot of money, $8 an hour, I believe. And he saved every penny of it. And, and while he was doing this janitorial work, he came across in, in office buildings mostly, he came across publications, investment publications that uh, he found really interesting. Uh, Wall Street Journal, uh, Barron's and other magazines and newspapers like that. He didn't understand most of it. His boss helped him understand it uh, a little better, but he set out to discover what this investing idea is. And he came to the realization that if I can make $50 profit in the stock market in a week, that's a whole lot of bottles and cans that would need to be collected. And from that, he saw the value of accumulating and making money on top of money. And that that was the beginning. So he was but in high school when he started all this? Yes. Oh, wow. So I don't most high school kids are not thinking about investing. No, no, they're certainly not. And and he probably wouldn't have. But he saw that that as his way out of what he considered almost slavery, uh, living in these households that, that really just used him and his brother uh, for labor. And, and, uh, and he, he couldn't take it. He couldn't take it. So he had to get his own money. And that's, that's how he kind of fell upon this whole investing idea through his janitor uh, job. Okay, so he... Uh, I, I, in the book, he, he made his goal of having the $5,000. I think it was right. Yes. Okay. So he got that, but then when he, and he graduated from high school, he was a good student. So he got that. And then he went off and did he join the military then? I believe it was right. Yeah. He, he did uh summer camp, uh, army reserve, I believe. And, um, and he found ways to make money there as well. Um, not only did he get his, his normal paycheck while he was, was in training, uh, but he found other ways to make money that, that I find creative and humorous. Uh, he would uh, shine belt buckles for his fellow soldiers. He would do their laundry. Uh, he would um, volunteer to take guard duty for soldiers, which is staying up all night with a rifle on your shoulder, marching around the base. Um, and it was a required service, but he offered to do that for them. And I think he would get $5 for doing that. Um, he uh, had some other creative things. Uh, he would go to the bank and get pockets full of quarters because back then there were no cell phones, it was just pay phones. And on the weekends, in particular, soldiers wanted to call their girlfriends, their parents, and they invariably would run out of uh, 
change. So he would stand at the payphone banks with pockets full of quarters and offer the quarters, three quarters for a dollar. And uh, so he made a nice profit margin on that and soldiers appreciated it. Uh, he would take KP duty for his other soldiers. And by the end of the summer, he accumulated not only every penny he made uh, in terms of his army pay, but also these extra jobs he did for, for the other soldiers. And at the end of the summer, he got a cashier's check and went and invested it. That's fabulous. Yeah, it, it's really an inspiring story because like you say, he was really creative and he did things most people don't want to do. Exactly. Yeah, he took the jobs. He took the KP duty. He did everything. He was uh, he was so focused on what he wanted to achieve and kept doing that. And he's sort of followed that through his life, hasn't he? Yes. Um, even in the army, he would not spend money on anything. Everything went into uh, uh, under his uh, clothes and blankets, and then he would get cashier's checks. And at the end of the summer for uh, the army, between years of uh, high school and college, he um, would have a stack of cashier's checks that he then invested. So he, he um, was absolutely driven. And he saw, again, the value of money, making money, not just to save, but it could every seven years, money doubles on average in the stock market. And he realized that uh, on his own, he learned that. Okay. And there's something else. I mean, there's much more to the story, but one of the things that I found that you did that was different is he has a set of guidelines or rules that he um, studies and you put them in the end of the book as if people are inspired by this and want to try and really build money because he ended up with what, $50 million? Something like that, yes. And oh all in the stock market, uh, he didn't like, like other people and other immigrants, a lot of times they start companies. Uh, he did not start a company. He made all of his wealth in the stock market. And, and one of the things he goes on and on about, and it's in the back of the book, is you don't just study numbers. You study the company and the people that run them. Uh, a lot of times people, uh, particularly in the stock market, think of companies as numbers. And what he came to realize is that companies are people. So he would study the CEO in particular of any company he might be interested in and look at their uh, patterns. So for example, when they're hired on as CEO, did the, the vice presidents and executive vice presidents stay or did they leave? Um, does the CEO value the, the, um, the talent that's there and the institutional knowledge that those people have or does he get rid of them to hire his friends? Um, some of the companies Long was investing in early on, kind of interesting. He's, he had it happen three times where a public company was taken private, uh, meaning that the uh, owners or the principals of the company don't want to be have their value subject to the whims of the stock market. They want to contr control the stock more carefully. So, for example, um, there were two companies that Long invested in, I, I don't recall the names of them now, where he was doing pretty well in the stock market. And then all of a sudden, 
they were taken off the stock market because someone bought the company to make it a private company. In two cases, the people that bought the companies that he had researched intensely uh, and invested in were bought by Warren Buffett. Oh, so wow. it turns out that Long's thinking was very much along the lines of Warren Buffett's thinking because companies he identified as great, Warren Buffett ended up buying in two different circumstances. Um, another example is uh, Dell Computers. Uh, Long realized when it was a public company that um, Dell Computer had a different model. Uh, and this was when they were more in the P PC business uh, and less in the service business, but they, they had a different model of operating the company. And that was, instead of building a bunch of inventory and hoping people will buy it, they were online and people would order the computer they wanted with the amount of memory they wanted, the screen size they wanted, and then Dell would make the computer. So what that meant uh, in terms of running a business was Dell did not have to have a lot of inventory. It was just in time building of the computer. They would get the order, they would build it, and they didn't have to have a bunch of stock sitting around. Mm -hmm. So again, Long realized that that was a, an interesting and, and smart model of business. And yet, once again, Dell was taken private. And so the company, the stock he owned in Dell was no longer available and they cashed him out. Well, he had done so well with Dell, he took the amount of uh, money that, uh, that he made from Dell when they cashed him out and he bought seven houses for cash as investments. So oh, wow. he, he really knows how, how to identify uh, really, really well-run companies. Uh, and, and the way works, Long works even to this day is he, he still has a day job. He, he's CFO for a company. And uh, at night, he'll go home and have dinner uh, with groceries bought in the second, hand, second day section of the grocery store um, and have his one meal a day. He only eats one meal a day, even to this day. He drinks water all day, maybe some tea. And um, he has one meal a day. And then he goes to the gym and listens to podcasts about business. And that's his passion, again, all the way through 2022. So, wow. Now, with Warren Buffett, so he got Berkshire Hathaway stock with that? Because that's amazing stock. Yeah. Um, he, he, uh, he owns some of that company. I don't know exactly how it worked. And I'm not sure he wants me sharing it, but I know he... He has an investment in Warren Buffett's company. Yes. Wow, that's great. So you, so let's talk about your writing journey. You, you've met him. You've now been talking with him for months. How did you go about starting writing the book? I had never written anything uh, for entertainment, shall we say, other than in high school and college English classes, and my I've always loved writing but my writing was for business. So usually business proposals. So what's the company? What's the product? Why is it better? Uh, and what's the value for you, the potential client? So uh, I, I went about writing the story almost as an essay. And, and after I did my first 
draft of the book. I, I gave it to a friend of mine and uh, she read it quickly and said, uh, the story's really good, but it re reads like a screenplay, meaning I was describing things as I understood them. I was telling the story. Um, I was not showing the story. I was not feeling the story. So through through a friend, I, I met um, a wonderful lady named Tony Lapopolo, who um, has worked for major publishing houses and does some editing work. And she she volunteered to edit my book and uh, and make it more into a proper story. And she said to me when we started working together, by the time we're done working together, you're not going to like me. You're going to hate me. <laughs> and I don't hate her, but she was tough. She was tough on me. She she uh, introduced me to the concept of showing, not telling, uh, make, making the characters come alive, making the reader feel their, their um, story and what they're going through. And, uh, and I attempted to do, to do that. And I think I did a, a fairly good job of that. Um, but that was how my writing journey evolved from a, a, a book that was kind of a business proposal to more of a, a novel-like biography. Yes, uh, well, I think you did an excellent job. And I was wondering, is it possible, because I really think you grab people with this, the first page, you just, you pulled me in, okay? With I'm that. happy. <laughs> do, you, do, you, do you have it there to maybe read the, the first page to us? Because I think people will get to understand what it is because, this is such an interesting story from this little point of little boy's point of view in the beginning and how he is looking at, he's an orphan then and has his brother, but how he's going about things. And um, this is from Undeterred. Do you have it there? I actually do. Um, so let me read uh, just, just a couple of paragraphs. Okay. The first chapter is called Attack. I have to jump off this bridge. The smoke's black. My chest hurts. They're coming. Will the water hurt? Can I jump like the big kids? Will I break my legs and die? It's too far down. The water, the tanks are coming. The ground is shaking. The rockets are too close. The whistling and screaming is making me deaf. I'm afraid. Duck in the water below yelled, jump little brother, jump. You saw me. I'm fine. Do like I did. Balanced on the cracked concrete wall, at least 20 feet above, Long fought against the heavy black wind and his bird thin legs shaking. From the corner of his eye, he could see the tanks approaching, but could not move the green brown water below so far down. I can't duck, I can't. He hopped from his perch, scurried to the end of the bridge. The noise seemed to chase him as he slid down the steep hill, brush, bushes scratching his bare chest as he dropped into the water with the other kids. Do you see the tanks and rocks, rockets are coming, squealed Long. They're coming. We can't stay. Let, they'll get us. I don't want to die. Very good beginning. <laughs> very good beginning. <laughs> so uh, we're very fortunate because today, uh, July 14th, is also the release date of the book. 
And so it's available on Amazon, Barnes and Noble and elsewhere. And we give everyone your uh, web address. So if they want to learn more about it, about you and about the story and also about Long, what an interesting man. Absolutely. Uh, the website is uh, brucecarlinauthor.com, B-R-U-C-E-C-A-R-L-I-N-A-U-T-H-O-R.com. And uh, it gives you a little uh, snippet of the book to read when you go to the website. And I, I hope a lot of people will do that. Well, I hope they do, too, because I highly recommend this book. I enjoyed it. It was a page turner for me. And I also just, you know, if you have any brains about investing or think you should be doing it, what he has in the back of the book is really very good advice. And that's worth its own uh, price of admission right there. But I absolutely uh, think so. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I thought it was really good advice. So it sounded a lot like my mother's advice. My mother was great at investing. So it was very good that way. But well, I want to thank you, Bruce, for being with us today and good luck on this book. And um, it, for all of you, if you're listening to this around July 14th or for the first few days afterwards, the Kindle is free. Uh, if you want to download it on Amazon or the paperback is $9.99 and I think the hardcover is $19.95. But that's it. And thank you, Bruce Carlin. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Talking Book Publishing is brought to you by Writers and Publishers Network. It's a resource for writers and indie publishers at every level and offers tools to be successful in their writing career. Writersandpublishersnetwork.com. Don't miss our after hour segment, Conversations with the Producer, a segment where our producer, Adana Moriarty, talks with our guests and lets the conversation mosey wherever it moseys to. Mm-hmm.